Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio. I don't know how I've gone this long without having him on here yet. Rob Call. Rob Call is an inventor, a journalist, the founder of opednews.com, where I have blogged for years and years and where Rob himself has posted thousands of articles. Rob also hosts the Bottom Up Radio Show, and we will be talking about what bottom up means. Uh, this is a show that airs on WNJC, I believe, and online, and via Pacifica and other outlets. In 2014, Mediaite showed Rob Call ranked as one of the top 200 print and online columnists. Uh, Rob Call, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. I don't know how I've gone this long without it. Uh, we'll have to have you back on as soon as I can. And uh, I want to I want to learn about this concept of of bottom up uh, because you've had me on your show uh, recently and asked me about this, and I couldn't answer your questions, uh, so I think we'll go to the expert. What, what is bottom-up? Well, most people have heard about bottom-up in the progressive world because Bernie Sanders, just about every one of his stump speeches would say, change doesn't happen from the top down, it happens from the bottom-up. And it, it ends up Hillary Clinton has said it, Barack Obama has said it, uh, John Kasich, uh, R- Ronald Reagan, George Bush... Uh, it, it's a really commonly used term, and Google Trends shows that people are using it more and more. But what is it beyond what Bernie says? Uh, most people think about it as being related to grassroots. And uh, I started thinking about it because uh, I built opednews.com, uh, my site, which is a, a community blogging site that has published over 100,000 articles over the years, uh, at I started taking a more bottom-up approach to it, which means I started being less hierarchical, less uh, authoritarian, and, and attempted to bring in the users, the readers, the writers, the volunteer editors more and more in participating in making decisions. And it got me thinking, what is bottom-up? And, so, and what, I, what have been the advantages of that? Well... Uh, the site grew, and it got better, and it, it, it worked better, and it worked smarter, and it worked fairer, and uh, you know, people agreed that it was a good thing to do that. And it, and it wasn't perfect. Uh, I, I run it, and I, but I try to do it with a bottom-up uh, intention, trying to include people in making the decisions. So before making major decisions, very often there'd be an article that would come out and we'd get hundreds of comments discussing the, the, the considerations involved. And uh, just about any major decisions on the site are bit decided uh, with volunteer editors. So that got me started thinking about it. And, and so I started a radio show because I, I, I was fascinated by it and I saw that it could make things better. And the, with the radio show, I started interviewing all kinds of different people with different takes on bottom-up. And the basic premise of the radio show, Bottom-Up Radio, is that we live in a primarily top-down world, but it's becoming more bottom-up because the Internet and smartphones have catalyzed us to be more bottom-up. And the reason that they've been so powerful in making these changes, changes that include trillions of dollars in new businesses, 
taking down of dictators, electing presidents, changing the way people relate with each other, destroying industries, starting new industries. The reason it's been so powerful in such a short period of time is because humans evolved to live bottom-up lives. 99% of the existence of humans, they lived in small hunter-gatherer bands, not even tribes, bands of 50 to 100 people generally. And they treated each other differently, they saw the world differently, and they acted differently. And if you want to get an idea of how they acted, they acted the way that indigenous aboriginal people act. Now, currently, most indigenous and aboriginal people live in bigger, bigger social milieus. They live in tribes, if they're even living there. I mean, there are still a couple hundred thousand, maybe a couple million people living that way. But they're few and far spread and far between, and there are very, very few who are not in touch with the modern civilization. Uh, and the history of modern Western civilization has been to have the goal of destroying indigenous aboriginal cultures and to do it aggressively and very destructively. Uh, for example, in, in different countries, when the Christian uh, controllers have come, what they've done is they've taken the children of aboriginals and put them with Christian families so that they would literally wipe out the, the parental transfer of culture. Including in this country. In this country, Canada, Australia, and, uh, you know, that, that, then they're lucky, because a lot of times they come and they just kill people. 90% of them in the case of South America. What? A lot of it by disease. But, you know, the thing is, bottom-up is so, so much more than just grassroots. Uh, if you take it from the roots of the idea that, that in indigenous aboriginal people, the way they live, and the way hunter-gatherers live, well, then you have a collection of, of characteristics. Now, it's, it's kind of easier to start because we know so well the top-down characteristics. Hierarchy, centralization, authoritarianism, domination. These are some of the biggest, most powerful. Paternal, paternalism. These are some of the most powerful aspects of the top-down culture. And these appeared primarily when farming and the domestication of animals and land happened uh, originally maybe eight to 12,000 years ago. That led to civilization. And I, you know, it, it kind of hit me once. I was giving a talk to, to my kid's class when he was like in third grade. It's, it's a long time ago, 27 now. Uh, and they were talking about civilization, and I pointed out, yeah, that's when slavery was created. Well, slavery was created with civilization and hierarchy and paternalism and, I, I mean, patriarchy. I said paternalism. I mean patriarchy. I got one more and, for you, Rob. War. Yeah. War. Yeah. Yeah. Same time. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so obviously we can't undo the the, the genocides of the past centuries, uh, and we have we have on the one hand this trend of various politicians saying the phrase "bottom up." On the other hand, we have the trend of 
incredibly increased concentration of wealth and power and militarization of government and police and uh, scholars uh, concluding the United States is clearly an oligarchy, not a representative government. Uh, how do we how do we apply uh, bottom up ideas? to governing ourselves at a large scale or can it not be done and we have to break things up into smaller scales or what's the what's the practical application well first thing is to recognize that you are a bottom-up being that you have hundreds of different genetic factors that are basically programmed into you to function in a bottom-up way. The problem is civilization represses an awful lot of them. And uh, the good news is the Internet and all these bottom-up technological things are pushing the buttons and activating them, some of them long dead. So there's hope that just that alone is going to move things in the right direction. Once you wake up to the idea that you are a bottom-up being then you can embrace it and you can decide that that's the way you want to see the world and that's the way you want to function. Bottom-up is a collection of different things. Bottom-up is interdependence, caring, cooperation, transparency. I've got long lists that I've put together, and they are they oppose, and for every one of them, there's a top-down uh, opposite to it. So, you know, for transparency, it's secrecy, for interdependence, there's domination, and the list goes on and on. But once you decide that you want to be a bottom-up person, there are a couple of really basic concepts. One is, we're all connected to each other, to to, to nature, and so you can go a little bit beyond the golden rule. I like this idea called connection consciousness, which basically is that you recognize that we're all connected to everything and everybody, so the golden rule says, do as to others as you would do unto yourself. I say, we're all us. There is, are no others. We're all one. So we, we, we have to, to treat it ourselves. And that's the big hour in, in a good way. So, so if, you, if you can develop a kind of a bottom-up value system, then you look at things in a different way. And you look at people who are controllers, you look at laws that, that, that say that local pe- people can't make decisions. Like, for example, there's that, the, 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 the law that says that states can't require the labeling of foods as GMO or non-GMO. Well, that's a law that, that is a top-down law that, that allows local people to make decisions. Bottom-up is local. Top-down is centralized. And it's really important that we get back to local. Uh, globalization is top-down. The opposite of it is, is engaging in and embracing as much as possible a local economy. Now, the, the thing is, there's no way that we can attack the biggest, most powerful forces directly. But if you look at the history of the planet, the dinosaurs were the biggest forces, and the ecosystem changed, and they died, and the little small mammals, they became the most powerful forces. And I think that what we have to do is develop alternative systems and live with those and embrace them. For example, you go to the supermarket, 
identify whole aisles of processed foods made by these transnational corporations that you're not going to do any business with. Just stop dealing with them. And you can take an approach like that, go to your local farmer's market, join uh, co-ops, and get involved at local levels in ways that can make a big difference. Now, this applies in so many ways. For example, Trump has basically decreed that he's going to use hard power. Hard power is weapons and money, and he's defunding soft power, which is the bottom-up kind of power. Soft power attracts people, and the kind of things that, in, that produce soft power are arts and, and stories, helping people like building bridges and schools, eradicating diseases. These are soft power approaches that help people and make a difference, and you get them to do what you want by attracting them. So there's a, so many ways to think about bottom-up that can, you can use personally. Now, yeah. one thing that I'm really excited about is top-down is, also applies to science. The model of science that was used for hundreds of years was Newtonian and Cartesian, and the idea was that you broke things down into parts and you assembled them. And uh, this worked for a lot of stuff. It worked for basic physics and basic chemistry, but it didn't work for subatomic particles. It didn't work for complex chemical reactions, and it certainly doesn't work for biological systems and ecosystems. So in the mid-20th century, they started a new kind of science, and they call it systems theory. And what systems theory, which is a collective collection of ideas that includes nonlinear dynamics and, and uh, chaos theory, what they basically say is that for science to work, you look at relationships and you look at patterns. And the nonlinear part of it means you don't look at straight lines, you look at the way things go in cycles. And there are no straight lines. Matter of fact, straight lines are top-down. Go to a small country and you see all the curvy, crazy roads, and that's bottom-up. You look at giant highways, those are top-down, big ways to get from one place to another. So what is exciting, though, is in, in this new scientific model, what it basically has is a different way of looking at way change happens. Change happens when systems develop new cycles, and those cycles repeat themselves, and they branch off in new directions, and they, they're called emergent properties. Now, the thing is with emergent properties within systems, things can very rapidly change. And, there, and one guy won a Nobel, Pro, Nobel Prize for his work with this, which showed that you can have a lot of craziness, a lot of chaos, and then when it, when it quiets down, you have higher levels of order. And uh, that, I learned that about 30 years ago. And uh, frankly, it's, it's kind of comforted me that there, there can be chaos, and then you know that there can be higher levels of order that come out of that. Um, but the thing for activists is, though, in the mechanistic Newtonian Cartesian point of view, you have to just pile lots of stuff on, and it's quantity that counts. In the systems view, the patterns and the cycles can change, and a small little 
pattern can develop that can reverberate at multiple fractal levels, and you can get huge changes in a very quick time. And to me, that's a really exciting thing, because it means that it doesn't take 10 or 20 or 100% of the population to make changes happen. It can be a very small spark that sets things off. It can, indeed. We're speaking with Rob Call, who is the founder and editor at opednews.com, a wonderful website that I'm sure you're familiar with, but if you aren't, go check it out. Um, Rob, one, th- one recent uh, activist effort that comes to mind, relatively recent, uh, when you're talking this way, is, is Occupy, uh, which, of course, uh, took on the 1% of the country. And you've been writing about uh, taking on the billionaires, uh, de-billionarizing the planet uh, and the country. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about how that relates to to bottom-up and how you go about it? Absolutely. Well, I think that big is top-down. And too big is, is not a part of nature. Nature does not like giantism. Matter of fact, nature treats giantism as a disease, and giants tend to die, or they they just don't exist. They're they're born dead very often. Uh, I I think that what we have with billionaires is people who are anomalies within our culture and our economic system, and I think they're dangerous. I, I. even the best-intentioned billionaire is too powerful, both by influence, access, and money. And I think that we need to pass laws that make it impossible to become a billionaire and stay a billionaire. The easiest way to start is to deal with inheritance. No person should be born on third base with a billion dollars or even hundreds of millions of dollars. We've got to create dynasty taxes, you know, the right calls them um, death taxes, but I call them dynasty taxes. We've got to prevent dynasties from happening. There's no reason that that some child or adult child of a billionaire should be handed huge amounts of money. I also don't think that uh, anybody needs to have a hundred or a hundred fifty million dollar home or yacht or painting. There's no reason for that. And I believe that we've seen how Trump is lining his his cabinet with billionaires. It's a bad thing. Now, Trump has just recently said that he doesn't think that poor people should be in some of these jobs. Well, I wonder what poor means to him, having less than a million dollars, less than a hundred million dollars. So you start off by taxing billionaires who die and not allowing their families to to have the kind of extreme wealth. Then you create laws that basically say, okay, you did something brilliant and great. You should be rewarded for it, but that doesn't mean that you get to be a billionaire. Maybe you should have $100 million or $50 million, but not a billion dollars, not a half a billion dollars. So if you're starting to make that kind of money, then you're going to have to do something with it. Good idea. Share it with your employees. Share it with the people who helped you to make it, because nobody becomes a billionaire on their own. Are you are you talking, Rob, about local laws, state laws, or national laws, or something else? Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> All yes. of them. I, I think. I think. I think. I think it would. It's important to do it at a national level. And I, I know this is really. You know, most people hear me say this, and they think I'm crazy that I'm discouraging innovation and creativity. But I, I believe that this. I, I do believe that billionaires are dangerous. No, no, They're I'm, among the most. I'm with you a thousand percent, Robin. Been there for for decades. But we started out this interview with we got to go local. National laws are top down and dangerous and too much power. And so, what happens when you have a a misguided state or locality that wants billionaires and the federal government says no? Is is that not top down? Well, there's a balance. You know, I. I for, for year, I've been involved in the world, world of positive psychology for a really long time, since the early 80s. Uh, and I ran the first conference on positive psychology. I have positivepsychology.net as a, a website. It needs to be updated, but it's, I've had it for a long time. And uh, when I got into positive psychology in the early 80s, like there were you know, hundreds of thousands of psychologists who were focused on pathology, diagnosing disease and fixing disease and I I thought well how much can you do to help people not by dealing with the disease but by helping them to become stronger to become smarter to become happier to have more skills that would brighten their lives and I wasn't saying get rid of the negative stuff I was saying how much can you do to move in that positive direction and I think the same thing can apply to bottom up Yes, top-down is going to exist, and you're not going to get rid of it altogether, and you need it in some ways, but how many ways can you look at something and think, well, there's a better bottom-up way of doing it, or this top-down way is too much? So it's a matter of shifting the balance. We're, we, we live in a culture that is predominantly top-down. We want it to be a lot more bottom-up. For example, there are now uh, over 300 companies that have gotten rid of hi hierarchical management including yeah. uh, a billion-dollar company that's owned by, uh, by Amazon, Zappos. And uh, so there, there are real possibilities for ways that we can do things. I think what we, you know, the, the thing is you've got to challenge everything, which is a bottom-up idea. You know, top-down is, is didactic, and bottom-up is question and get into dialogue. And uh, this is Paulo Freire's approach. He, he wrote this, that best-selling book, uh, about looking at education as a way that you change uh, and, and have revolution happen. Well, uh, so, yeah, you've got a good question. It's a good question. Do you, do you, it, it, there's a problem with centralized top-down laws, but sometimes you need to do that, too. Yeah, uh, no, it's a good answer. What What do you think of the idea of a maximum wage? You know, pick a number, 10 or 20. You can't have more income than 20 times, uh, you know, a minimum wage worker makes and is if you want to raise the maximum wage just raise the minimum wage uh good good idea for a law well the, the way some co-ops do it is they say that the maximum that management can make is a certain multiplier of what the lowest paid worker yeah make. and i think that's not a bad idea you know i've i've really spent a lot of time looking at psychopaths sociopaths and narcissists also, and done a lot of interviews on it and a lot of articles on it. And uh, if you look at indigenous cultures, and I'm really interested in indigenous cultures because I think they have so much to teach us about how to get back to the bottom-up way uh, of our forebears, uh, 
how would they treat a billionaire? How would they treat somebody who attempted to control and own 50% of the assets of the band or the tribe? So I asked the, the person who was at the time the president of, the, of one of the societies studying psych, psychopaths. And so he gave us an example. Well, if it was up in uh, upper reaches in North America, the indigenous people there, some call them Eskimos, they would take him and put him out on an on a, an ice floe. In other words, kill him. Yeah. Now I'm not I'm not saying to kill anybody, but I'm saying you don't put up with that. You don't put up with it ever, and that nobody should have that much power and 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 be that selfish. And uh, mm. I think that we we can learn from them that that the idea of of you know an income is one thing, and the thing is. People don't get income when they invent things. Invention is wonderful. I'm an inventor. I invented something, a, a biofeedback ring that I've sold over a half a million of. It didn't get me rich, but it helped me buy my first house. Uh, and and that, was, that, was, that was great. But, you know, if, when somebody comes up with a business and it starts making them billions of dollars, and a lot of them are these hedge fund people, and what they come up with is an algorithm, uh, that's just too much. And, and we, we have to st- speak up and say, no more billionaires, and get rid of the ones that we have. And, you know... Yeah, but get rid of them the by Bible. taxing their money away, which I'm all for, or get rid of them by sticking them out on an ice floe. There's <laughs> kind of a difference. Uh, I, well, I, I'm not saying to stick... No, I'm, I don't want to hurt anybody. I, I, what I want to do is I want to change, change their power, and you do that by saying, you're not allowed to have that kind of money. Here are a collection of options that you have. First one, share it with your employees. Share it with the community that you developed that, that wealth in. Create charitable organizations that are publicly run, not that you and your wife run. You know, there's a handful of billionaires who say they're going to give it away, but then they control entirely all the money, yeah. and I don't buy that. I don't accept that. You know, Bill Gates and, and Mark Zuckerberg, I'm sorry. But, you know, that's just not enough. You know, thank you for creating what you did. Good job. But you don't deserve to have that $60 million or $60 60 billion or $80 billion. Yeah. You know, I go to the, I go to the, the teller machine and I take out $40, $100, $200. Mark Zuckerberg just cashed in $42 million of shares. Uh, and he has 400 thousand four hundred million shares some insane amount that adds up to sixty billion dollars yeah so it was pocket change for him imagine well, imagine rob we, we've got about one minute left imagine you taxed all the money away from the billionaires and you got about a trillion dollars that's about how much you could take away from the u.s military budget each year year after year after year after year Amen. uh so Amen. there so the billionaires well, we get into it, but... <laughs> yeah go ahead we got Thirty seconds. Get into it, but but war is top down. The idea is that a handful of people are going to declare war, and you know the answer to war is develop soft power and use soft power techniques and approaches to convince people to do things differently. I couldn't agree more. Uh, we, we're speaking with Rob Call. He is the founder of OpEdNews.com. You can find him there. I know he'll be speaking at the Democracy Convention this summer, where I will be as well, democracyconvention.org. And uh, he has a book in the works on this topic. Is that right, Rob? Yes, Bottom Up, The Connection Revolution. 
I'm very much looking forward to reading it. Rob Call, thank you for everything you do and for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thanks for having me. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.